Hey, Mystic Michaela, spiritual family. Welcome to the Empath Starter Pack. Do you find yourself unsure of what you want in life? Are you constantly feeling like you accommodate, validate, and celebrate others, but they never seem to notice you, thank you, or celebrate you? Do you find yourself filling the role of helper, counselor, friend, listener, shoulder to cry on? Have you felt your entire life you're totally different than everyone else? Do you hate talking about your problems just because you feel like it's dramatic, unimportant, or it's just too much for others to bear? These are all symptoms of being an unaware empath. When you awaken to what an empath really is and the abilities you actually have, your life will completely change for the better. I know because that's what happened to me. I am Mystic Michaela. I am a fourth generation psychic medium with the ability to see aura colors, which are the life force energies around us all. A huge spiritual download in my own life was the process all empaths must go through to be activated and awakened to their authentic lives. I call it the recovering empath. The journey I am going to be taking you on today is what you need to awaken into your empath abilities the way you were intended to. The first part will be the recovering empath. I will go in depth into what stages of development are for empaths, the feelings associated with all of it, how to journey through it, and what it means moving forward. The second part will be about empaths versus narcissists. You will begin to understand the relationship between empaths and those who wish to benefit off your unaware state. I will discuss empath traps and how different aura colors can exhibit narcissistic traits. Both of these parts you will hear today were recorded in the fall of 2019. They've been shortened to fit in this convenient empath starter pack episode and are to this date some of the most popular podcast audios I have released. Please, I ask you to share with those in your life you feel need to get an empath starter kit to awaken into their special powers as an empath and take back the control in their own lives. Let's begin with part one right after a note from one of our lovely sponsors. I have a really easy and wonderful stocking stuffer for all of you. It's She's Birdie. Whether it's taking a walk around your neighborhood, running errands, or venturing out on your own, you always want to feel safe. And with Birdie, you can keep doing what you love with that added peace of mind. Because Birdie is a personal safety alarm. To de- it's designed to be easy to carry and simple to use. I got one for myself. I got one for my daughter. I got one for my neighbor. I'm going to be getting more for some other people in my life. They come in all sorts of wonderful colors. I like to pick people's aura colors to gift their She's Birdie too. But There's so much to choose from, you won't have a problem with that. When you activate your birdie with a quick pull, the alarm will emit a loud 130 decibel siren and flashing strobe light to help deter an attack. Unlike pepper spray or other deterrents, birdie is no danger to you. You can feel confident to use it without any worry. Birdie goes wherever you go. The alarm comes in multiple colors and has a brass keychain so you can attach it to your keys or bag or sports bra if you like to run or whatever. Over 300,000 birdie alarms have been sold and they have thousands of five-star reviews so join the flock today for a safer tomorrow right now cheese birdie is offering our listeners 
15% off your first purchase when you go to she'sbirdie.com slash K-Y-A. Go to She's Birdie, spelled S-H-E-S-B-I-R-D-I-E dot com slash K-Y-A for 15% off your first purchase. That's she'sbirdie.com slash K-Y-A. Today, I'm talking about the recovering empath and... This is like a very, I wanted to do a whole episode about this um, just because, and you know, we'll, we'll switch it up and do some other things too, but I want to do a whole episode because like, what is an empath? And an empath is somebody that feels the feelings of other people the same as, as themselves. And, and chances are, if you're listening to me, um, and definitely if you have a reading from me or like you're interested in this stuff, you have an empath quality that's a part of your energy. And usually that's purples, indigos, turquoises, and blues. Those are my empath colors. And the, the thing with being an empath is it's different from having empathy. So there are people out there that have empathy, like they feel for other people, but that's different than being an empath. An empath literally feels the same feelings that whoever they're around experiences. And I'm calling it the recovering empath because there are stages there are stages in empath development and you're born an empath. Like this just doesn't happen to you. You might've been told like, I'm too sensitive. You're so sensitive. You're this, you're that. But being an empath is, not, is a way that you're born. Okay. So um, for example, my four-year-old, she told me, you know, she just started preschool and she said, I'm, I'm going to be the perfect child. I want to be the perfect child. She's a turquoise aura. And right there, you know, instead of being like, yes, that's great. Be the perfect, you know, which is what most society would say. Yes, be good. Be a good girl. Be the perfect child. It's like, hey, wait a second. That's a red flag because the biggest thing that I could say about empaths is you have to be super careful not to attach your self-worth to how other people view you and how other people react to you. And that is the number one way empaths get misled in life, tricked up, they start living inauthentically, and all these other things happen because you can feel the reactions of other people to you and you become controlled by them. Why? Because they feel exactly like your own feelings. So I have stages. And, and so the first one is the programmed empath, I call it. This is somebody who's, um, they, they're not, they don't know that they're an empath. So they've grown up in a family and this is their role. They're the good one. They're the fixer. They're the healer. They don't have problems. They solve problems. They're the ones who go out of their way to help other people. They, they just habitually put themselves on the back burner. It is not even to the any sort of forefront of their mind to do for themselves. The programmed empath, unless they are told or they are awakened or they are some sort of catalyst happens in some way where they realize they have this power. Because being an empath, it's a sixth sense. It's the same as seeing or touching or feeling or anything like that. It is a sixth sense. I, I say it all the time, like it's like smelling. You can't turn it off. And if you're around somebody who's smelly, you know, you smell that. It's the same thing if you're around somebody who's grumpy, like you're going to start feeling grumpy. If you don't know that's not you, you might think it is you. So the programmed empath is a sponge. They're a total sponge to all the people around them. And it's hard for a a programmed empath, especially a programmed empath without the self-awareness that they are holding of this gift, that it is very common for them to lose sight of who they are, what they want, what they want to do, and, and anything past pleasing others. So they, be, they can become pleasers. And 
they become invisible. That's the other thing. I talk a lot about um, the invisible empath and it goes hand in hand with the programmed empath, like, you know, based on how you were raised or whatever. And, and when I do a reading, this is all very specific to you and your situation. This is me talking about it generally, but my hope is that some of these things like ring a bell on you and you can kind of like see it and pinpoint it to situations in your own life. But invisible empaths, you know, growing up myself, I found that I didn't want to be noticed. So I would wallflower a lot. Why? Because I had a need to make other people feel more special. It was very important for me to feel that other people felt special. So I made sure I dimmed my light, that I was invisible. I didn't even realize this for years, years. And it, and it went into friendships, you know, making sure that when I was out with people, I was not the one standing out. I would pick out, I can't wear that. My friend, you know, looks better in that than me. So I'll wear this instead. Subconscious, totally, it's sad and pathetic looking back, but... Those are things that even when I say sad and pathetic, like I've had to move past that and be like, it's okay. I wasn't aware. And that was just me trying to get my self-worth through making other people feeling good. I call that borrowing emotion, borrowing happiness from other people, borrowing their satisfaction. And also the programming told me that their happiness and their satisfaction was more important than my own. Therefore, I did good today. Therefore, that's where my self-worth comes from. So the, this, this is a, a cycle that people get stuck in and I I see a lot of people who aren't aware that they're doing this and they feel like this is their life just constantly doing for others and they have a numb feeling to their own spiritual connection and what they want to do for themselves. Once you figure it out, like whatever that is, whatever that moment is, my good girlfriend, she's a, a teacher. She teaches young children and she joined my Mystic Michaela spiritual family page. Like, okay, I'll join it, whatever. And she came up to me and we don't really talk about this stuff so much, but she came up to me because I know we're in a different context because we both are moms to kids that play together. So it's like a different context for me versus my psychic lady context. And she came up to me and she's like, you know, I didn't know there was a word for what I was. I really just thought, I was just too sensitive. I didn't realize there was a word for this and it's called empath. And that like made my heart feel so full because that's what spirit wants you to know. Like this is a power that you have and this is something that needs to be seen and cultivated and validated for you. Once you figure it out and, and, and sometimes you can get really angry because you can look back and you can be like, Hey, wait a second. Like I've, I have all these people around me that, basically drain me or, you know, I have a role that benefits them instead of myself. And you can get very angry and angry empaths are a thing. And and anger isn't the worst thing because sometimes it's a breakthrough emotion. Anger is a secondary emotion. Like it really just covers up fear or sadness or shame or like you wasted time or like whatever. But like anger is sometimes necessary to break through a wall and you got to move past. Like I'll get, I'll see people stuck with the angry thing. And then they feel victimized. And that's right there. The anger and the victimization stage of being a recovering empath is where your ego can really trip you up. The ego is the part of our human brain and has a very noble purpose. It's to keep us alive. And how it does that is to make us avoid change. So 
when you are angry and you feel victimized and you have like a right to feel these things because yeah, people have been using you and yeah, you have been drained and depleted and people were thinking about themselves. And actually there were people in your lives that, you know, you're there to serve them and it's not the other way around. But once you realize this, you have to realize like, okay, but I attracted them because what did it do for me? Because at that time, my agreement was my self-worth was only dependent on other people's viewpoints of me. I was borrowing their satisfaction for what I was doing for them. That's where my self-worth was coming from instead of spirit, my connection with self, et cetera. So you have to take responsibility. That moves you through that angry and victimized empath stage where a lot of people get tripped up. When you get tripped up by your ego, it can, there's a lot of things that can happen here. This is like where I see people getting angry at other people. You know, I can see some empaths getting stuck and then they get angry. Like when success happens for someone else or when things happen for other people, they're like, why me? Why doesn't this happen to me? What's going on? Why I always get dumped on? I always, I always, and you got to watch it there. And we've all gone through it in our recovering process. We've all gone through it. And and it's not a it's not a stage that ever goes away either. Like like you'll get tripped back up and go back to that anger or victimized stage every once in a while. And it's something that you have to just be very self-aware with and very hard on yourself with. Like, okay, you know, the way that spirit communicates with you is very truthfully. And if you just like give it and deliver it lovingly to yourself, you can move through this stage to the next one, which is more self-aware. And being that, and that's what I'm talking about, being mindful and being self-aware, understanding that this is a sixth sense, that you do feel other people the same as yourself. You'll never be able to turn that off. That is something that will always be a part of every experience you ever have. And it's also important to remember that you are responsible for the people that you bring into your own life. And that right there, when you realize you have control, some people like that and some people don't. Because that means when you take personal responsibility, you got to be real honest with yourself. And some people don't like to be honest with themselves. And that's where I get people tripped up. And that's the ego tripping you up because you don't want to change to do the hard work. And it is hard to do the hard work of being like, okay, what did I do to cause this? Basically, this relationship, this friendship, this job, this situation, like my family relationship, how they view me. And that's when boundaries are set. And you'll see when you set boundaries, notice who has an issue with you with it and notice who's supportive. The supportive people, they're not invested. Like anybody who sees you growing in a healthy way should be supportive. If they're not, if they start saying, oh, you've changed or this or that, that's a red flag. Because when somebody doesn't respect a boundary of yours or they test it or they go after it or they start accusing you of things, ask yourself this question, why are they trying to control me? Because that is not, whatever you gave to them, your pleasing, your, your subservancy, whatever, that was necessary for them. They were eating that. They were draining you. Energy vampires are a thing. And just like on a side note, and I could do a whole episode about just narcissists and the relationship with empaths. Empaths and narcissists are polar opposites, yet insanely attracted to one another. And I see a lot of empaths and they just attract a lot of narcissists. Now there aren't a lot of narcissists out there in the world and there aren't a lot of empaths, but they sure do all know each other. Because the thing is, is empaths have this need for compassion and this constant need to give. And narcissists are like this hole that cannot be filled. And they have this constant need to receive that compassion and receive whatever you have to give them. And they need to be worshiped. And they constantly have this false self. I'm this, I'm that, you know, and, 
And they need the empath to support that because the empath will borrow their reality, feel what they need and construct it for them. So narcissists really can't have a relationship with anybody except empaths who are unaware. If you make yourself aware, you're going to see all the narcissists leave immediately, like just jump ship. Oh, and they'll say awful things to you when they do it. Because once your self-esteem is not based on being good and it's not based on being a pleaser and it's not based on getting your satisfaction from how others feel, then you can do the real work. Then the real amazing things start happening for you. So right there, that is a time when you can start feeling a little isolated. So there is a stage in empath recovery that involves a lot of isolation where it's like, you know what? I don't trust myself to bring in good people anymore. I feel like I always bring in this. See, I say this all the time. We don't recreate what's good for us. We recreate what's normal for us. Think about that. To recreate what's good for you means you have to get very uncomfortable because you were probably raised to be a pleaser, a helper, a supporter, not talking about yourself, all this of all the things that other people loved about your empath qualities, you were raised that, oh, that's my self-worth right there. So to change that, you have to see that there's only certain places I'm giving my empath energy to. And those are places that will pay it forward with gratitude, things like that. So I see a lot of happy empaths working with the innocents, children, the elderly, those um, animals, uh, people in crisis, you know, rescue efforts, like all these things. I'll see empaths working for, and all they get, and this is what truly fills an empath's heart, is like a smile. Like if, you know, I see just because the Bahamas are on my mind and there's a lot of news down here of everybody going over, you know, and helping out in the Bahamas and stuff. And just these people just like here, you know, here's water, here's money, here's a blanket, like just the joy on these and relief from these people's faces that somebody saw them and cared about them and wanted them to have comfort that feeds the empath right there. So it's like finding the right, the right places to put that energy because they say empaths do God's work. So they want to feel other people's glow. They want to feel that light in other people, the way that it's supposed to be. That's where your connection comes comes from. Not from pleasing people, from giving them the light, whatever that is, and making it spark in them and giving them hope and making them feel seen and validated and loved, which is truly the communication of spirit, unconditional love, and somehow translating that to them through acts of kindness and good. So as you're healing, you know, so isolation is a thing. It can be hard to trust yourself again. But as you heal, as you start changing your ways, as you start putting up boundaries and respecting yourself, as you start going back through the other stages of being an empath and and with love and self-awareness, then you can experience sometimes what I like to call um, light working. So this is, light working is anything where you, I was just saying, like you take the light from spirit and you give it to other people. And this is just the places where it's deserving to go most and where it does the most good. You know, I see nurses and teachers and therapists, you know, things like that, but you don't have to have a label. I see people volunteering. You know, I see um, 
at the, you know, I see people because around here there is a, a large elderly population. I'll see a lot of, you know, elderly people with their like assistance at the grocery store or things like that. Like just little, just being patient with somebody and, and letting them feel like loved, things like that. Like just being there for somebody who appreciates it and isn't toxic, that is light working. So I see that is the end stage. That's the end goal. Like where you see the you see the boundaries that you have to put up. You see that not everybody's going to be okay with that. You have an understanding that you will always feel other people's feelings as your own. Like you get all that. And right there, that is the goal. And it's a journey. Like it doesn't get finished in this lifetime. Being an empath is, I feel before we come here, we do something as, as we create a soul contract and we decide how we're going to do things. And part of our soul contracts have a lot to do with our, our acts of good in them and how we need to use what, what our tools are, how we overcome our situations we were put in and how we get to the, you know, the stage where we're working for the greater good and, it, and our approval and our self-worth comes from within where our connection to spirit is. And I use spirit like you, you can fill in whatever word you want there. God, Jesus, like whatever you want in there. I use spirit, but it's a universal term so for whatever you're comfortable using. Empathic overload. I really need to talk about this because it's like a thing. So it's empathic overload, empathic overwhelm. When you're doing too much... You like, and I am super not a doctor or a therapist, so like, go see those people, like, obviously. But I see a lot of times, like, it's not depression, it's empathic overwhelm. So, I mean, that's my unscientific op- opinion, you know, based on what I see. But what happens is, is empaths, like I said, they're sponges, and it can be so hard sometimes to keep up any sort of barrier. It's actually. Sometimes people say, but you got to put up a wall. You got to toughen up. You got to have a thicker skin. It's not going to happen if you're an empath. You actually have to like let the, you have to learn how to let the feelings just kind of move through you and not attach to them. That's kind of what you got to do. Like, and, and it's basically like not everybody's problems are things I have to solve. Like I can notice them and they can bother me, but now I got to let it go. This is a funny story. When Scott and I started having children, like, you know, kids cry and I remember this one time, like my little one was crying because we were like taking the binky or the pacifier away from her and she would just scream and cry and be like, it was awful. And I don't know, it doesn't bother me so much when, when the kids cry. Cause I'm like, okay, you know, cause I know it's just, they're okay or whatever. And it's just noise and I can shut it out. But what would bother me is when my husband was home because it really, like, I felt his, like, oh, my God, like, angst, anxiety, his angst, his stress. He didn't have a solution for it. He couldn't handle it. Like, he was getting really stressed out. That's what was bothering me. So one day I was like, oh, it bothers, you know, you stop being bothered by it. Stop it. Because like, I can feel your feelings. And he got really mad at me because he told me that was selfish. And it is, it's true. Like people have to be allowed to have their own feelings because it's just because I can feel your feelings. Doesn't like, I would always try. And that's later in my life. Even I still struggle with it. I can't control how he feels. Like if he wants to feel something, he's allowed to feel it, but it's annoying because I have to live with it. You know what I mean? So like, I think like as empaths, that's why 
when you have empathic overwhelm, sometimes like you just really need to be alone to get your boundaries back up, or at least just to feel like yourself because you're constantly feeling other people's feelings and you can't shut it off. And then you have to remind yourself you're doing it all the time. It always, it still tricks me up. Like I still get tripped up by it. I still get fooled by it all the time because it's like breathing to me. It's such a natural feeling to feel other people's feelings the same as my own. Like a muscle you will work your empathic ones to realize, okay, what I can feel is mine and and what I can feel is some other people's and what the difference is. Like you will get better at that. But empathic overwhelm, you know, you get very triggered. You can be very sensitive. You can be really tired. Like like chronic fatigue is part of it, um, but it's hard to sleep. Um, You can procrastinate. All of a sudden, like you have troubles being on time. You get really disorganized. You start daydreaming, things like that. Self-medication, I see a lot with empaths in the forms of food, you know, substances, alcohol, like, you know, things like that. Um, I see them stopping. Also, like other things, like behaviorally, like they they become completely antisocial. It's normal for an empath to be somewhat antisocial, but then they'll get like completely antisocial. Like things like that, like they do shut down. And when it starts to get a lot like that, you do have to work on fixing yourself. And I mean, we talk a lot about self-care in our society, but self-care is very, very simple. It's, it's, and the first step of self-care is like what I'm trying to do right now. Like, let's bring some self-awareness to it. This is a valid thing you have being an empath. That is a power and getting honest with yourself about it and seeing that it's something that has to be dealt with thoughtfully and mindfully is important. Journaling, it sounds super corny. I have a method. I made it up myself. I don't like to journal so much because I'm busy. So I call it my three-word journal. So three times a day, three words, and that's it. You know, you can set your timer. You can do it on your notes, on your phone or whatever. It's three times a day and three words. And you'll... And I tell people this every once in a while who I know are having a hard time um, getting more sensitive to their own emotions. And what it does is it just helps you... It helps you get more aware of how you're feeling and that'll help you. Meditating, even if it's just listening to music for 20 minutes, things like that. Um, Grounding, going outside barefoot, you know, just little things like that, like where you feel connected in yourself for a while. So I'd love for you guys to give me your thoughts on this. Um, Mystic Michaela Spiritual Family is a great place for us to connect and talk about empath empathic overwhelm, being an empath, your struggle, your journey as an empath. I feel like talking about it and seeing other people's journeys and the correlations between them can help you get more self-aware and move through all these stages of recovering empaths to the end stage where you're like light working and you're very healing and you're light working and you're self-aware. The Recovering Empath by far was the most powerful spiritual download I have ever had. The stages of the recovering empath have helped many of my clients reach their full potential in their lives. It's a process which is constantly worked on and ongoing, but it is worth it. But now it's important as we move forward to discuss the people, relationships, and situations in your life, which may be a result of your unaware empath state. Narcissists and those who act narcissistic 
are the ones I am talking about. I am in no way a professional or a doctor or a psychologist, but energetically speaking, from the thousands of readings I have done and also from my own life, I have seen a direct correlation between those who are narcissistic and those who take on those types of tendencies flocking toward unaware empaths. Because you understand now that you can feel others' feelings as your own and at times that you have given passes to others' actions because you were programmed to only listen to the unhealed and broken parts of them, you have put up with probably way more than you should in your life, way more than other people do. The path to recognizing toxic people in your life and then creating boundaries without guilt can only begin when you recognize what types of people these are and what roles they used to fill for you, which as you grow, you won't need them to fill anymore. So are there people in your life who you are terrified to disappoint, who seem to always be testing you, who seem to create scenarios in which you feel set up or doomed to be the bad guy? Do you feel like you live in someone else's narrative where the only control you have is the part they tell you to play? Do you fear someone's emotional reactions, that you are being misinterpreted and that you feel the need to either be invisible or on the defense at all times? Are you scared of being the bad guy in someone else's story and they have the power to tell you who you are? This could be someone in your life who needs you to be an unaware empath in order to stay close to them. And part two is going to talk about all of this. Before we delve into part two, empaths versus narcissists, let's chat about some of our lovely sponsors. Every Friday, I get extremely excited. Why? Because Ana Luisa releases their new collection of jewelry added to their already amazing selection of what they always have available. Ana Luisa has such wonderful pieces. I mean, they're dainty, they're chic, they're everyday, they're timeless. They're conscious luxury. You can wear them to the interview you have to go to. You can wear them to the grocery store. They're affordable, but they're super quality. They're long lasting and they're versatile. I just selected the Miche necklace. Oh my gosh. It's gold with a beautiful green aventurine stone. I have my eyes on the Celeste earrings. I feel like I'm going to be picking them up pretty soon. I just keep looking at them. I can't stop looking. Um, you know, the thing with their pieces is that you can get a beautiful stacked look. Everything goes together. You're not just getting jewelry. You're getting a collection. You're getting a look. You can pair it with your own pieces. It just kind of works all over the place. It's very versatile. The pieces are really perfect gifts for everybody on your list, a friend, a partner, a sister-in-law, your kid, your niece, whatever. I highly recommend them checking out you, you go check out the gift guide on their website look at their bestsellers page and then like i said every friday it's just a party online ana luisa that's a-n-a-l-u-i-s-a is where you gotta go and what's really cool is they are offering us a special deal so I absolutely recommend you checking out Ana Luisa, that's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A, at shop.analuisa.com slash knowyouraura. You know, I just love them. Their pieces start at $39. And like I said, they're currently running a huge sale. And right now, the biggest sale of the year, you can get 60% off on the second item you purchase if you go to shop.analuisa.com slash knowyouraura. What would it feel like? 
what would it feel like to walk into a store and absolutely every single item of clothing was your particular style and fit? Well, this exists and it's Stitch Fix Freestyle. It is a shop built just for you. You have to go check it out just to see how amazing they get everything so personalized to you. Stitch Fix Freestyle is your trusted style destination where you can discover and instantly buy curated items based on your style, likes, and lifestyle. Whether you're looking for a brand that you love or you want to try out a new one, at Stitch Fix Freestyle, you can shop a range of over 1,000 brands personalized to your size and fit. With styles for workouts to work wear, for lounging around the house or a night out on the town, Stitch Fix Freestyle has clothes for any occasion. Plus, there's no subscription required, and they offer free shipping, returns, and exchanges. So get started today. Go fill out your style quiz at stitchfix.com slash K-Y-A. That's stitchfix.com slash K-Y-A to try Stitch Fix Freestyle. you got to see the store they build for you. It's pretty cool. Stitch Fix dot com slash k-y-a we're getting a little serious today we're talking about empaths versus narcissists and like i said if you didn't listen to episode four the recovering empath um this is where this stems from because a lot of people were talking about like what is the relationship between empaths and narcissists so empaths uh, empaths feel other people's feelings the same way as they feel their own. So like I said, there's purples. Does this be your purples, your blues, your indigos, your turquoises? Um, and chances are, if you're listening to this, you like have that in your aura, like a 99, like nobody willingly listening to this doesn't have one of those colors in their aura. So that's probably, you. Yeah. The unaware and programmed empath is like really... Uh, like it's a struggle. Like if you don't know you're an empath, if you don't know your abilities, which is one of my main goals, I feel like in my lifetime to like kind of tell people like, hey, like you have this gift, you feel other people the same way you feel yourself, which means that can control you if you don't have a handle on it. And there is one species of person of energy that wants you to be unaware. And that is the narcissist because empaths who are unaware and who are programmed, they need constant opportunities to give in their life. They have learned from an early age that their self-worth is dependent upon other people's approval and upon them borrowing other people's satisfaction for what they've done. Now, unaware and programmed empaths, these are empaths that just don't know they're empaths. They have this insatiable need to give. And it's because nobody ever taught them, you know, and they didn't, they haven't woken up or whatever yet to see that actually you can get all that you need from your connection to source and spirit and light working and other ways. So what happens is, is the narcissist comes in What's a narcissist? So narcissism is a personality disorder. Like you can get diagnosed with narcissism. I don't, you know, and I'm not a doctor, you know, and I'm not a psychologist or anything like that. But energetically speaking, the way I see it, I call it the chained soul. Like people ask me like, are they, do they have black auras? Like, what are they? It's like, no, they are people who have chosen to basically take their soul and put it away for this lifetime. And we all go through moments all of us, like where sometimes we aren't operating from our soul place, our place of soul. We're not, you know, we're operating kind of like in a coma or we just kind of go through the motions or whatever. But narcissists make some sort of choice somewhere along the way where they put away their soul. 
and they operate 100% off ego. They're ego operators, I call them. And they completely suppress the journey of the soul for the superficial ego attention. This is why narcissists are extremely materialistic. They have an insatiable need for attention. They have an insatiable need to be constantly given to. They take, 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 take. And at some point they made a choice to be this way. It's hard for empaths because a lot of times narcissists have a very sad backstory. Like, and, and it's almost like empaths and narcissists, it's almost like, um, they can come from the, they're, they're cut from the same cloth. It's just, there was a choice made at some point where they, you know, empaths have no ability to turn off their need to give and their need to feel other people. But narcissists usually, like if you really dig into a lot of their upbringings, they were neglected or they were um, cast aside. Sometimes they were overpaid attention to, like they were, they were the star of the show, the, the sun and moon, you know, rotated around them in their mother's or father's eyes. You know, it, it's extremes here. They were made to feel too important. They were made to feel that the ego and the gifts of this material world are all you need to achieve for. So narcissists feed off, unaware, and programmed and victimized empaths. This is their food. This is their energy drink. This is what they use. They cannot survive without an unaware empath around them to drain. And the quickest way to get rid of a narcissist is to get aware. Like they'll, they'll go running. They'll, they'll give you terrible, they'll say awful things to you, but they will go away. But they feed off unaware and programmed and victimized empaths. Narcissists have this, this insatiable need. They can't stop. They need to receive constantly. And unaware empaths have an insatiable need to give. That's the only place where they get their self-worth. So this creates this parasitic type relationship where the one constantly gives and the one constantly receives. And at the end of the day, these empaths are the ones that get tossed away when they are used and broken and no longer of use to the narcissist and they'll go pick up a fresh one. They'll go pick up a fresh one. They don't care. They have no conscience about that. Because unaware empaths have this insatiable need to give, I see narcissists create what I call empath traps. This is very important. Empath traps is something where a narcissist will present a reality where the narcissist themselves is victimized, angry, where they desperately need support. And they will collect empaths to help them heal. And they'll give them gratitude and thanks and compliments and all sorts of things. And they'll give that unaware empath the feeling that they did something good today. But that's why it's so important for an empath to be very wary of where you give your energy to because empath traps are a thing. I see this a lot in my practice. Just one example, for example, um, in relationships that didn't work out. And one of the parties, I mean, uh, by the way, narcissists are equally men and women, you know, so like, I'll just, this is for an example, but you know, I'll see this a lot in my practice where a woman all of a sudden who broke up with her narcissist ex is getting attacked by the new girlfriend and she's attacking her and she's hacking her phone and she's going after her social media and she's doing all these things. And what happened was the narcissist created this whole narrative for the new empath in his life that he was victimized by his ex and won't you be my hero if you just go after her and you do this and you do that. And, and it's a topic of conversation. And they basically 
create this trap for the new unaware empath to become what is called a flying monkey. What, so just like in The Wizard of Oz, she has her flying monkeys, right? The Wicked Witch. And this is like a real thing. They're called flying monkeys. And these are the empaths that do the bidding of the narcissist. They will bully, harass, and support the narcissist's agenda. They are they do it without thinking. They do anything the narcissist says. They don't question their own soul, their own head, their own heart. They've totally absorbed, because that's what empaths do, into the narcissist and will start supporting the narcissist's agenda. So it is not uncommon when you piss off a narcissist to get a bunch of other people after you. And these people are, they just are unaware and you have to forgive them and you have to move on. And that's why it's so important for each one of us to make sure we are aware and we are self-aware and we do see our gifts and we do see where we can move past these phases so we never get caught in an empath trap set by a narcissist. Because they a narcissist will make Unaware empaths become their extensions, an extension of their own ego, their own needs, everything. They love this attention. And like I said, when it's done, when it, when they are done with you, the narcissist will project everything that they just did onto you. Wow, you're crazy. Wow, you did that yourself. I didn't tell you to do that. Wow, you are absolutely out of your mind. And they just throw you away. And it's very easy to become defensive and all these things, but truly the more aware you get, the more you step away, the better it is. And that's the whole point of understanding what the narcissist needs you for. They're, they're predators. You know, if you think about like a lion, the lion probably knows more about the antelope than the antelope knows about the antelope. Okay. Like the narcissist knows all about the empath. They know what you like. They know what you need to hear. They are very intuitive that way. They know their prey. They know exactly what you need. And the thing is, is they'll start, they'll build you up and they'll make you feel so good. And they will make you feel like so special, like you're actually making a difference for them. But then that's like a honeymoon period and it slowly disintegrates. And then all of a sudden, like you become wrong somehow. And if your behavior changes, if you just change a little bit, we could go back to the way it was. This is your fault that I'm being mean to you, the narcissist will tell you. This is your fault I'm talking to you this way, that I'm withholding, that our life is this way. This is your fault I cheated on you. This is your fault that we can't have a relationship. Everything's your fault. That's what the narcissist will tell you. There is no personal responsibility. They will hold gratitude, attention, and praise just above your head. And they just want you to keep reaching for it. I call it the stage. Okay. If you think about it, like the, you know, awards, you know, like when you were a kid, you know, you, you, you know, there's a certain amount of things you can do to get the award. Right. And the narcissist builds the stage and the narcissist creates the criteria for the award. And they tell you that you can walk across that stage and get that award. And the thing is, is they keep changing the terms on you and you never quite get there. You never quite get there. And you're going to start getting compared to other people. How other people, oh, you know, I wish my so-and-so's daughter, she does this for her mother. Wow. That's really nice. What a great daughter she is. 
things like that, you know, you're, that, you know, especially, you know, we can talk about it in relationships. We can talk about it in family members, like narcissistic mothers, narcissistic fathers. The other thing is, is like pitting siblings against each other. Now I go into narcissistic families. You know, there's only one relationship you're allowed to have you and the narcissist, they do not like it when you have a relationship with anyone else in the family. So in narcissist families, a lot of the time, huh, no one gets along. That's weird. Huh. There's only one person everyone talks to. That's weird. Okay. That's what the narcissist point is. They can't handle like the siblings having a good relationship. They can't handle that. Why? Because they need to be the most special. Covert narcissism. You may have heard that. These are con artists. This is hidden abuse, okay? No one believes you. No one believes you. They isolate you. I see this a lot in family situations with narcissistic parents. Nobody understands what happened to you. And when you talk about it, wow, you made that up or you're crazy or you're insecure or you got to let that go. Or like you hear a lot of things like that. So a lot of times empaths who are victims of narcissist abuse, they just shut up about it. They just let it go. They just eat it. And a big thing I see empaths do when dealing with narcissism, because there's this thing called um, responsibility, personal responsibility, and the narcissist refuses to hold it. And huh, what do empaths do? They absorb everything. Empaths will absorb the personal responsibility of the narcissist. So that turns into shame. That turns into low self-esteem. That turns into actually agreeing with such a low self-worth that that's the only love you can know. If you grew up with a narcissistic parent, that's the only love you understand is normal. It is extremely difficult for you to have relationships with people. You have to reinvent everything. You have to go back to source or your connection with spirituality. This is how you do it by understanding what what you are as an empath and where you get your connection to spirit from. That's where you go. That's where you go back to. That's your center. And then you start inviting people into your life that reflect that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Other narcissist common terms, because this is what's going to happen when you start separating from narcissists, when you start standing in your truth, when you start becoming self-aware, you're going to get gaslighting. Gaslighting is the use of psychological warfare against you to make you feel like what you're saying is crazy. Basically, the narcissist says, I didn't do it. And if I did it, you deserved it. Okay. There's no other way around it. I did not do that. That's not true. You're lying. Oh, and then if they finally get caught, well, you deserved it. No, there's deflection constant. Projecting. If you get accused of something by a narcissist, They just told you what they're doing, okay? You're cheating on me. You're doing, okay, go check his phone because he's the one probably doing that to you, okay? Like this this constant projecting, you don't love me. 
well, you know, um, you don't, that's always the basis of it. You don't love me. And they're telling you how they feel, okay? Projecting is all they can do. It's constant. They will put anything they have because they can't hold it onto you because you absorb it. Notice that. Anything a narcissist tells you, you can't trust it. You have to take it. You got to look at it separate from yourself and you have to really consider the source and what it means. Narcissists are extremely abusive. Basically, if you behave the way I want you to, I will treat you well. Then you will get this self-worth that you want so badly to me. That is their only playing card. That's their only card. That's their one trick. The second you don't need them to have any sort of satisfaction with you is the second you are free. Break that chain, cut that tie, tell yourself, I don't need them. I don't need them to have approval for me. It's okay. I have it somewhere else. There will always be honeymoon periods with the narcissist. There will be times when they're actually fun, when it's great, when it's loving, when it feels like amazing connection. Like it's real. Like this is who they really are. Like I can put up with the bad stuff because right now this is the good stuff. Well, ups and downs like that aren't normal relationship ups and downs. But if you were raised a certain way, you might not know that. So starting to pay attention to it is important. Obviously, you will bond with your narcissist abuser. That can happen very often, especially if you were raised by a narcissist. It's the only love that feels acceptable or normal to you. And bonding with a narcissist can also make you defensive of your own choice to love that person. So making sure that you're not getting defensive about your own choices and instead saying, you know what, I'm changing. It's okay that I'm changing. It's okay that I'm changing my, my mind about things. It's okay that I am looking at relationships differently now, even ones that I've had for years. It's okay. Any healthy relationship should grow with you. Any healthy friendship, relationship, family relationship it needs to grow with you. It is extremely hard to get a narcissist out of your life, okay? Um, especially if they're family. You have to understand that they all lie, they all believe their own lies, and they will only accept people in their lives that go along with their reality. Well, if you stand in your truth, you're going to get it from the narcissist. You are going to get, because they are real good, like I said, at knowing exactly what you need and exactly what you're insecure about, you will get attacked. That will happen. The only relationship the only functional relationship you can have with a narcissist is an estranged one. If you choose to have a narcissist in your life, you, there is dysfunction and there will be abuse. A lot of us feel the need to do this because it's our mother or it's our father or it's whatever, okay? Just know that. The other thing is they say, you know, they say set boundaries. Okay, set boundaries. Narcissists, hey, they'll poke at a boundary all day long. They can't stop it. People ask me, do narcissists have a black aura? Like I said at the beginning, they don't. Narcissists have aura colors, but they do operate in aura color a little differently. Like they all like they all gaslight and they all project and they all are like everything I just said, they all do that. But each color does have its own kind of, I don't know, way of way of being. So I'll go through them. So reds. 
Reds are the, like, they're the easiest ones to see because they're loud. Like, reds are loud. Like, they're your loud ones. They're, like, angry. They're, like, like they're yelling at everyone else. They're real scary looking. You know, they're violent. They, you know, they got big mouths, okay? Everybody's scared of that. So, reds are the easiest ones because they truly do advertise it. Yellows. Yellows are, suit like, yellow narcissists, condescending, very condescending. So like, I see this a lot with like narcissistic mothers and stuff. Like, it's like, oh, you're wearing that. Oh, oh. you know, it's kind of like rude. It's nasty. It's making you feel like when you walk in their room, you look awful. Things like that, like narcissist mothers and their daughters. Like it's, I see that a lot with the yellow narcissists. They have one reality. There's no talking them out of it. They're a little elite, a little above everything. They have this air of higher intelligence and they're very cold. They're very cold. Um, green narcissists, they love to manipulate with money. That's like a big thing with them. They'll withhold it or they'll give it based off the behavior of their empath. Okay. Like I see this a lot with like um, green, uh, parents who are like, you know, if you do what I actually, yeah, I see a lot of this with abuse. Like, um, if you go along with my abuse, I'll keep paying for this, you know, like they'll, they'll abuse their children, but then they get a car. They'll abuse their children, but then they get, you know, their tuition paid for or whatever. So the empath feels like this is how, you know, this is the only way I can get love. Or, you know, I, I can't exist without this monetary support. So I'll keep putting up with the abuse. But I see greens do that a lot, green narcissists. Um, they're robotic. They will estrange you out of their life. They will cut you out. They will cut you out of their life. Um, whereas like other narcissists will try to poke their way back in here and there. Like a green is really good at cutting you out, but they, they're scary because greens are really good with the legal system. So I, whenever I see like a green and there's like a custody situation or something like that, this is where it gets frightening because they make, they're so smart greens naturally that like a green narcissist can convince like a court of things and stuff and get away with a lot um, because they're very calculated and systematic that way. They're con artists, but very believable. Purples. Purples are manipulative. They have like high interpersonal intelligence because of their intuition. Purples, I say this all the time, just because someone's intuitive does not mean they have your best interest at heart, okay? Purple narcissists are still intuitive. Like they know things about you and you're like, wow, that's crazy. How'd you know that? I feel so connected to you. Well, they're using it. Okay. They're using it to manipulate you. They're going to blow it up in your face later. So you got to be careful. They play others off one another. They're believable. They use that intuition to trap you, divulge information, then use it against you. So be careful who you tell things to, because that's what purples do. They get you to get all vulnerable and then they use it later. Blues. The blue narcissist is the, if the red is the easiest to spot, the blue narcissist is the toughest to spot. Blue narcissists are victims. They are fragile and weak and defensive. They're sad. They have health issues. If you're mean to them, all of a sudden their heart hurts. Ooh, 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 you're hurting me. Um, they, anything you do hurts them terribly. Everyone in their circle thinks you're evil, okay? Because how could you hurt this defenseless person? Behind closed doors, I see this a lot. I see this a lot with like narcissistic parents who are blue. They beat the crap out of their kids or something like that. Nobody believes that. 
No, no, no. Like the, the, the children of the blue narcissist, I often see like, I, this is a no win situation. I'm a bad person. Every, you know, it, it must be true because everybody else sees something different than what I was raised with. Blue narcissists are the toughest to spot. They act so weak all the time. Boundaries, they say, build boundaries. And you do, you have to build boundaries. Um, but a narcissist will attack your boundary. They'll ridicule it. They'll test it. They'll beat on it. Um, that's just, just get ready for that. Like if you build a boundary, I mean, walking away, I say, you know, block someone, get rid of them, walk away. It, it's okay to do it. You're not a bad person for walking away from abuse. Lastly, I want to talk about something I call energy mirrors. Usually you have one formative narcissist in your life, okay? Even if you deal with them or put up a boundary or walk away from them, they will show back up. They'll show back up in the form of other people. And I call those energy mirrors. They will be all of a sudden a friend who wants to do something with you. Somebody who comes on real strong out of nowhere, okay? They'll be a relationship. They'll be a coworker. They'll be your boss. Energy mirrors. And that's where you have to deal with the deep down, hardcore, broken parts of you that have to do with taking satisfaction from pleasing other people and moving that to center, to source, to light working, to helping people who help you back, to helping people who need it and deserve it and pay it forward. Like I talked in episode four about light working, helping the ones who are vulnerable. That is where you will do best with your rechanneling of your empath energy so that narcissists who will always be attracted to you will understand pretty quickly that they can't control you. And that is empaths versus narcissists. And I am very interested in any of your feedback on this, comments, stories. Um, It's something that it's almost shameful, I feel like, for a lot of empaths to talk about how they were taken advantage of by narcissists, how they were doormatted by narcissists, like a doormat, doormatted. I made that up (laughs) like that. So I want to hear what you have to say. I really hope that this empath starter kit has awakened you to your own power. There is so much beauty in each and every one of you. It's important to take it and spread it to the places and people who are worthy of it. I want you to know that taking back your energy is not selfish. It's what you are meant to do. Spirit did not create you to waste your gifts and your good intentions on people who aren't going to pay it forward. And they applaud you when you create boundaries, when you take your energy and your healing energies and you put them towards your own growth so that you can be better for other people and help them grow too. When you're a healthier version of yourself, you are more helpful to the ones that you love around you. This podcast has been such a blessing to me. And it's because of the community which it's created It's just a completely wonderful and unique space. If you feel the need for more support, more people who just get it, get you, come on over to the Mystic Michaela Spiritual Family on Facebook. We would love to see you there. Thank you so much. This podcast is for you and about you, and I hope you know that I love you. 
If you want to be the most interesting person at the cocktail party, well, hop on over and listen to the Brain Candy Podcast. Our award-winning content will have you laughing while you're learning. We read all the best articles, books, and studies, and keep up with new TV shows, documentaries, and pop culture. And then we cram it all into two shows a week. Conspiracy theories, cannibal rabbits, unsolved mysteries, the history of the Walkman. There's something for everyone. The Brain Candy Podcast. Find our link in the show notes. Or simply search for the Brain Candy Podcast on your podcast app.